0: the opus an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy not just their history but how this music continues to evolve we're opening the vault on classic records upon re-release delving into their inner workings and their lasting impact maybe you're a longtime fan and wants to go a little deeper maybe you're a first-time listener and you're curious to hear more either way you're in the right place find us a consequence of sound or wherever you tune in a
2: Consequence Podcast Network.
0: Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, wherever you're listening from today, I hope you hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with us. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and would love to keep you up to date on every single one of those. Of course, you can subscribe at uh, at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Podchaser, really anywhere that you're listening right now. Uh, please do hit that uh, subscribe button. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Panda Bear of the band Animal Collective. Noah's got a brand new record under the Panda Bear moniker called Buoys that's just come out. We'll talk about how he calls this a brand new chapter, separate of the last three releases he's done. It's got a different sound for him that kind of threads the whole record together. We'll talk about both the music and the lyrics, but also how it has roots in the past, specifically a tie to the Person Pitch record and Animal Collective's Merryweather Post Pavilion. We'll talk about those anniversaries. It's the 10th anniversary of the Meriwether Records, so we're going to jump back to 2009, do a little time traveling there as well. Then we'll also get the plans for the next Animal Collective music and a very special deep cut from Panda Bear that a lot of longtime fans have been hoping for an official release from. It's all in here. It's Kyle
2: Meredith with panda bear what's up kyle you having a good day
0: i'm having a good day it's uh it's drizzly and 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 gray and everything that i love so i'm uh i'm comfortable
2: (laughs) i do do like the drizzly days uh super uh, super hard rain where i don't feel like i really don't like going outside that's kind of a drag to me but any sort of rain that i still feel kind of comfortable walking around in is uh is okay with me yeah
0: congratulations on this what a thanks man yeah really fun listen I, I, I want to start with what you said about this, how how the previous records feel like it's its own chapter and this feels like something something new for you. Uh, I was hoping you would mm-hmm. expand on that a bit.
2: Yeah, uh, mostly it comes from sort of realizing before I started writing songs for the, for this one that there was a couple sort of techniques or ways of producing things, I guess aesthetics you might say, that I really didn't want to keep going down that road. Or, I guess I felt like there were certain things I'd kind of taken to the extreme to the point where I was, there was kind of nowhere left to go with them. And so I knew that the new thing was going to be something different. I, I can't say I had, like, a really specific vision of what it was going to become, but I figured not kind of allowing myself to do this sort of suite of things that the new thing would uh, inevitably be uh, something kind of different and, and fresh, at least for me.
0: And, and so what did that turn out to be? Because
2: I, I know what I hear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew I wanted to do, like, a, a singular vocal kind of thing. The vocal was a bit more, like, intimate, almost like private in a way, something kind of a bit more like vulnerable maybe sounding. Because one of the things that I feel like ties the previous three records is like the vocal production and sort of this way I had of doing a lot of vocal stacking and harmonies and stuff like that. And I'd, I'd kind of tried on Homies to make it work, but could never figure out a way of doing, that, doing the, the voice that sounded kind of pleasing to me. Um, so Rusty's first suggestion was like the autotune stuff. And that kind of became sort of like the basis up upon which we sort of built the rest of the vocal production stuff, uh, which eventually kind of became the sound of the of the the vocals on the record.
0: I know we hear some acoustics too, especially in in, in Token. I heard you know I heard you say a lot of these songs were written on the tour, and I thought, if, is that the connection here? Because any other time you hear about an artist. Writing a lot on tour, you know, one of two things happen is you get your road record or you get more of an acoustic, you know, sounding thing.
2: Well, I mean, it wasn't so much written on tour as much as it was like practicing the Song tong stuff because I hadn't really played guitar very much. So it kind of took me a while to kind of get my hands to, to do that again. I guess I got really weak hands. But uh, <laughs> so like just kind of like practicing the Song tong songs and using the guitar, I kind of just got juiced to to use that as like a device to write songs again which is something I hadn't really done in a bunch of years I guess Yeah it's
0: it's such a cool sound of what you've done with it too I mean I, I love the way it plays Thanks. out on that song uh, especially that song I should say And I want to bring up one more quote too because uh, <laughs> I thought this one was a bit more uh, on the fun side because you said it feels like what what you like about these songs is it feels like there are sections of the songs that are actually missing and and I started mm-hmm. thinking of of the way a painter has to tell themselves at some point that the painting is done and the restraint it must have taken to go, it sounds like parts are missing and that's exactly how I want it.
2: Yeah, I mean, the big thing for us was kind of noticing that the sub bass stuff, like the really deep low stuff, it just wouldn't really act in the same way if we added a whole bunch of sounds in there. It's like the more we would take out of the arrangements, the more that that really deep stuff would really kind of punch out. And at a certain point, it felt like all the kind of high stuff and the vocal uh to a certain extent we kind of like rest on the sub bass stuff, and it only worked that way when the arrangements were really empty kind of feeling, so that's kind of why we kept going down that that road um It is a bit of a trade off as far as like knowing that there's gonna be a bunch of people who are gonna to listen to the thing on like laptop speakers or earbuds or something like that, something that can't really represent a lot of like the really subby frequencies. So it's we, we did try to make sure that, that that sort of listening experience would be pleasing on some level. But uh, to me, it's kind of like half half the image or half the story in a way.
0: Well, speaking of the story, you know, as we talk about the thread that ties it all musically, what about lyrically? Did Did you find that that was happening as well? You know, and, and I and I want to hit on that uh, on the single there as well because I would like to hear about token and everything. I mean, when we hear. About slapping the jelly ass—that's going to be a line yeah. that we're going to use for a long time, out of context, I'm sure, around here. So, uh-huh.
2: <laughs> yeah, the uh, the lyrics are sort of a, a, a or like the the style of writing lyrics is kind of a reflection of what's going on in the music. As far as there isn't really like a a, a narrative with with the words, there isn't like a kind of linear sort of approach. It's more like patchworky or quilty or kind of a uh, collagey, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, to be more specific about the token song, and that song's really about like uh, kind of different kinds of love and loving and how they can get sort of confused and and mixed up sometimes. So I wanted to put in these sort of like hypersexual interjections here and there, sort of as like a reflection of the sexual impulse, I suppose, and how it can like show itself in kind of odd moments sometimes in really, like, extreme sort of ways. Um, so I hope that these, these phrases in the song would kind of act in that way.
0: Working again with Rusty Santos, I mean, that should be brought up because, you know, famously... Uh, you all worked together on person pitch back in 07, which is now looked at as a landmark monumental record. You know, as you talk about this being a new chapter, uh, it's is it interesting that it feels like but there's still a thread to the past there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, besides Rusty, yeah, there's like a bunch of parallels, not only the to song songs for me, but um, a lot to the, the person pitch record that I did. Uh, I mean, there's like the rusty connection, but there's also sort of like a watery sort of theme that I feel like kind of goes with a lot of the person pitch stuff. There's Liz's crying on the inner monologue song, which reminded me of the, the bros song mm-hmm. on person pitch, which, which has a lot of like crying figures in it. And of course, like the, the guitar, the acoustic guitar sort of ties it to Song Tongs. And it's the same like tuning on the guitar as Song Tongs. So there's a bunch of links to kind of older stuff, which I thought was kind of cool.
0: And especially as it comes around to these anniversaries, I mean, what what, what nice way for that all to line up? And I hope you don't mind. I, I would like to jump back to the big one that just happened with the, the 10th anniversary of of, of Meriwether Post Pavilion as well, because sure, yeah, you yeah, know, sure. as we look back in and the way history has tied it all together, you know, person pitch seems like it was so connected with how Meriwether also came to be. You know, the way it is. And and now that sort of makes that album as well, in a way, intertwined with this new and, uh, you know, as as it all kind of as you're talking about swirls around each other. When you look Mm -hmm. back on that 10 years ago, what stands out for you now?
2: I mean, for Meriwether, uh, it's really like the kind of what was going on for me personally and sort of what was happening on a personal level in the band. And the sort of times that we had making that thing that kind of stick out to me, or that resonate with me more than actually the music or the songs, which is maybe kind of a weird thing to say, but the uh, there was just very few like hurdles, there was very little adversity making that one. Um, So I just whenever I hear those songs and think about that record, I'm kind of reminded more of like the the times rather than uh, the music.
0: Did it feel like the leap that it's now been painted out to be? when 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 you all did it,
2: um, I mean similar to this one, it did feel like a different thing for us, but that was kind of or I guess I could say that continues to be kind of the modus operandi in a way with the with the group. I feel like just as creative people were sort of most attracted to the unknown or like something that's not within our grasp, um I think we kind of. Get excited about kind of pushing ourselves into spaces that feel kind of uncomfortable uh, sometimes that might mean that the results are kind of odd or maybe aren't immediately successful but uh, uh I'm okay with that It kind of <laughs> kind of makes me feel like the ball continues to roll, which is uh something i'm I'm happy about
0: it's also interesting to look back you know to see what influenced you all sound at the time but but really to see what was influenced in turn i mean that's it's talked about the game changer not just in you know its own genre not just in indie music but even in as we hear like uh, uh alternative r&b these days like when i hear that it feels like there is a line a very thick line that connects back to what you all were doing that day and
2: yeah i mean it's certainly flattering to hear but at the same time like i know there's been times where we might've made something and somebody would say, Oh, you were obviously inspired by this thing. And it turns out like we weren't, or at least we weren't conscious of it. So I don't like to, I don't like to assume that even if something kind of sounds like something that we might've done, that it was serves as some kind of influence. But, uh, at least when people, you know, will tell me literally that, you know, something that we did in the past has inspired them in some way, it's, it's definitely a, very uh very gratifying, very flattering for sure.
0: And, and and the amount you all had been working at that point, you know, for for something like that to come out of because I think uh, under the Animal Collective you know, um timeline, there is an album like every year for eight or nine years, did mm-hmm. success slow that at all? Did success kind of, you know, pull you guys back from working that you know, that aggressively?
2: Uh I feel like it pulled us more into like a cycle of kind of doing things the same the same way not make not, not like making the same music but it seemed like for a while there it was always the same three or four of us on every record where I feel like sort of the initial idea of of the group was that there'd be kind of all this different stuff happening all the time as far as like each of us kind of making our own stuff and then different formations of us making stuff together and I, I actually feel like we've kind of come full circle back to that, like it seems like these days there's a lot more sort of splintering off of various projects and I'm encouraged by that. I, I, I like that kind of style. In
0: fact, I mean, if I have it right, Tangerine Reef last year was the first Animal Collective full length for you not to be on, right?
2: That's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited by, uh, by the newness of, of stuff like that.
0: What was your take on that, you know, having not been through the process with them? Uh, I mean, were you able to really check it out and, and, and live with it?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's cool for me that I can um, really enjoy it in a way that I can't really enjoy something that I'm a part of. It, it just insofar as, like, making the thing, you're so kind of, like, in it in a way. It was nice to, uh, to experience uh, music from... Uh, a combination of us that I I could just approach in a really sort of pure way.
0: And that being, you know, sort of uh, as it's touted as a visual album, I I do wonder if that's going to rub off on future writing sessions at all, because it's such a unique piece, you know, as it stands.
2: Yeah. I kind of feel like the music almost operates in a different way when you have the visuals there with it. I mean, I still think it's cool on its own, but it does kind of feel like Voltron when you see it all together, like becomes this sort of different beast in a way.
0: With so much going on, do you know your next plans uh, with within or without the group?
2: Yeah, uh, I'll do a little bit of touring by myself uh, to support the the release. Uh, I, I don't think I'll do a, a whole lot, but just, just a bit in the spring. And then uh, it seems like the band is going to get back together to... To work on some stuff maybe in the summer or thereabouts um so i'm kind of shifting over to kind of animal collective zone again never stops yeah i kind of i kind of can't I don't, I don't mean to complain i'm certainly happy to do it but uh i gotta i gotta keep things moving gotta keep the train running
0: i'm gonna ask a um a fan deep question here um about uh atiba song the atiba song if i'm saying that right. And mm-hmm. if it'll ever get the official release, because it seems like a lot of your fans would love that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no plans to do that. Uh, I'm sad to say, but I, I also can't say it'll never happen. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. That was a song that I made for uh, my friend Atiba was making some kind of um, it was sort of like a test video for a camera that they were starting to use uh, for a skateboard video. Um, and he just asked me for some music to kind of accompany this sort of test that they had done, um, and that's that's what I made the song for. Uh, I'm glad that people like it so much that they want, like, an official release. I'd have to, it would take me a while to find it. I think I'm not really sure where the, where the like, the studio project is, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out entirely.
0: Congratulations again, Noah. Buoys is a, a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it. And uh, and we'll look forward to all the stuff that keeps rolling in from you.
2: Thanks, man. I appreciate your time today. Enjoy the uh, drizzly day. I will absolutely do that. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Peace.
0: And a big thanks to Noah right there. The brand-new Panda Bear record is called Buoys. And don't forget, uh, wherever you're listening from, please do hit that subscribe button. Whether you're checking us out on uh, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, really wherever you're listening from, please do hit the subscribe button. After that, you can head over to wfpk.org. That's the radio station where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You can also find some bonus episodes over there as well. Great music playing all day long. Head over to Consequence of Sound for your music and film news. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.